Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, folks. We have been very fortunate over the past year to visit with a number of folks during our NOLA Coalition uh, segment of the show, which is at 11 on Tuesdays, and we are committed to continue to do so. Why? Because these are difference makers. These are people in the trenches, turning the wrenches, making a difference each and every day. There's no one panacea solution uh, to the trials and tribulations, challenges that we have in our community. It's going to take a collective, collaborative effort of a lot of people. And fortunately, we have a lot of people that do give a damn about what's going on in their community. And today's no different. We're joined by Michael Willis, CEO and founder of Hope, Help Other People Endure. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Noam? So, Michael, uh, I understand that um, you have a little bit of a different tack. Uh, you uh, look at a lot of what's going on out there and saying, you know, some of this stuff is not working very well. we got to get back to some just some core tenets. Uh, in the approach of solving the crime problem that's threatening this city. Tell us about it. So, I mean, basically, I think we need to be reintroduced and re-educate uh, some old methods. Um, some of the things that I recall that got me on the straight and narrow when I was a young you know, young man out in the streets. So, basically, I'm looking at the same things occurring again. It's just a different generation. Um and collectively, like you said, uh, we need diversity. We need so many different things to attack this uh, gun violence and this crime prevention thing together. So um, just from what I'm looking at and been looking at for the last 30 years, last year alone I've been to over 70 funerals, and the children was, you know, 17 on down. Uh, that was the ages of them. And um, I sit and I try to support the families because nobody uh, – tell these stories anymore. It's like, it's just become like killing kids, killing and kids getting killed and going to jail. It's starting to become a normal and that shouldn't be a normal, you know, in our, in our community. How, so fr- no- how frightening, how frightening is that for you? It's very scary. Um, when we had, uh, at last year, at the end of the year, we had what, over 214 families, you know, got people that was homicide and uh, over 359 fatal shooting situations. So that's, you do you do the math of that. That's over mm-hmm. close to 500 and some people that actually been shot. Uh, and families are going through it. Then you got to look at the school girls, right? The kids uh, just barely getting into junior high. And every Friday, someone got to pray and hope that their kid is not the kid that's going to get killed over the weekend. 
in these schools got to hear about it uh, the following week. Like, we, we've taken a big blow, like, I mean, tremendously with tragedy and trauma because it's not, not just like when a family get killed or the person get killed. It's look who all is affected by this, the schools, the classmates, and everything else. And until we find some sense of urgency or figuring out what we're going to really do together as a people, because we can't police our way out of this, period. Mm-hmm. The community have to step up as well and also be willing to be held accountable. And I think that's the only way that we can uh, slow some of this thing down because we have to put community back into everything. Like we people, for some reason, I mean, you remember Katrina. Everybody came up and supported each other, blacks, whites, whatever, you know. So it's not about a color thing. I watch everybody pour love into a situation. Why all of a sudden now we can't go back to that place? Like is it a, is it a switch that says, hey, I can love everybody, and then there's a switch that says, hey, I don't want to love everybody no more. So I'm kind of confused to where so, realistically I think that we're, we're our own problem. Like we hold the key to the, uh, to, to the success of our youth in the future. So I want to talk about this accountability in a second, but I, I did want to ask you this. When you, you, you talk about how, you know, we hope and we pray that our kids are not one of the, of the kids that are going to be murdered or killed or are seriously injured over the weekend so that they can go back to school on Monday. You've actually visited with these families and these kids. What do these kids tell you, um, you know, about how they feel about uh, not having the safety and security of their school on a Saturday or Sunday? Well, um, we got away from chauncey. We got away from a lot of programs that did work for whatever reason. You know, it may be an administrative change. The kids are crying for help. You know, I don't know if everybody remember last year, uh, at the end of the school year, all of those kids was crying in Jefferson Parish saying, please don't shut our schools, them summer schools down. We're going to have to go to schools with these other kids, and we're going to have a problem. That was the children crying for help. You understand what I'm saying? Like, that's just have nothing to do with the parents. This is what kids are saying. This is what's going to happen. And they still shut the schools down. And New Orleans are not a gang city. It's a territory city. You know, we have wars, third war, fourth war, fifth war, 17, 15, you know, stuff like that. And even in my day when I was young, we had these same problems. We had similar problems. You know, I, I know people that got killed because somebody bumped them. I know somebody that got killed because somebody stepped on their shoe in a packed club. You know, so when we say that the kids are doing the stupidest thing, no, it's, it's always been kids doing what kids do. It's just that did we give up on the kids? You know, like, listen, I dropped the ball, all right, in a major way, period. So, you know, I can only right my wrongs, you know, and hold myself accountable. So, you know, like when I'm sitting with the families, I really, like, I was drum major in high school, right? So mm-hmm. when, because I was drum major in high school, I really know majority of the families that's being affected right now. So when I get the phone call, from Davis Funeral Home or anybody to come speak on behalf of the kids. I know the kids, you know, and 22 of the kids uh, that played football with Berman Park at Berman Gym uh, is dead. Like, they just came through our program, and we don't have a 13-, 14-year-old program anymore. So a lot of programming has changed for whatever reason. And, you know, again, I'm not trying to point fingers at anybody. We just got to figure out how do we get back to a place of peace and heal and take today, whatever we figure out what we can do today, find a solution, and, and look towards a better future. But if we don't do anything, you know, we're in trouble. Remember, we are, we're in Mardi Gras right now. 
that's scary, and let me right? ask you this because this comes up all the time um, we had a record number of juveniles I think that were murdered last year uh, very disconcerting um, but I don't I, I don't know I don't get the sense that there's a you and cry in the streets about these kids getting shot and these kids getting killed and these kids getting arrested uh, for, for shooting folks um, you know they arrested a kid the other day uh, who uh, participated in a homicide of the bagel shop owner who was visiting the city of New Orleans. He's 16 years old. Someone told me he was actually 13. I don't know. I'm trying to find out. Once again, when you deal with juvenile records, it's it's like trying to solve the Middle East uh, peace yeah. uh, problem that they have there. But but you know, I just don't. I I don't know. I mean, I I'm, I'm not in these neighborhoods, but I just don't see. Even when I was sheriff, when I was, I just don't see uh, folks really raising the rhetoric around this and trying to get, as you pointed out, because I agree with you a thousand percent. The community can solve this faster than law enforcement. The community can solve this faster than social services. The community has more power than all of those government agencies put together. If they empower Correct. themselves, take it, move it in 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 a direction. Um, Correct. You know, uh, the village the village raised me, and I'm sure the village raised you. Um, yes, sir. You know, and the power of the village is huge, but I just don't I don't see the village. Correct. Uh, I just. I don't see the village. I don't see the churches. I don't see the pastors. I don't see a lot of folks stepping up and, and calling folks out. And I know that you've talked about, you know, accountability and you mentioned curfews and you mentioned truancy programs. There seems to be a reluctance to really get involved in that. I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. I've been advocating for tru- a truancy, proactive truancy thing. A program here in the city of New Orleans for six to eight months now. Nobody wants to talk about it. It's like yeah. that's a problem. You know, we don't we don't have the energy to do this. Your thoughts? Yeah. So that's just another point that everything is becoming normalized. You know, uh, we have the games like Grand Theft Auto. I mean, I, I let me let me so let me point the finger then because I, I never do it, but I'm gonna point the finger. Um, these games. You have TikTok, you got YouTube showing kids how to break in the car. YouTube is showing people, the kids, how to uh, rob somebody. Two stand over here, one stand over there to look out. So it's like the kids don't have to see me do anything wrong. They're being taught these things through AI now, you know. And um, it's scary because realistically, once my son got put, put his iPod in his ear, I don't know what he's listening to anymore. You know, so yeah. it's hard to even track to figure out what your kid's seeing, saying, and going through. So I, I have, comp- like, I always have a conversation. Like, my son this year is going to be 18. That means he's going to be eligible to, to vote, you know, for the next presidency. So we're not t- teaching these kids the things that, to me, that once was taught to us. Seem like, for some reason, the whole educational system been divided, and uh, she doesn't even write in cursing anymore. You know, so it's just a lot of things that that you also remember from being a traditional person and, and from being in the city. We're not seeing what we once were. The soul of the city seemed like it's gone. And everybody seemed like they just gave up on the kids. And well, I mean, you I would want, agree. I can't and give I up think... on them. I, 
I can't give up on yeah, them. I mean, I, and I think one I of the points you're making is the is the problem is we have parents giving up on their children, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and and yeah. and so there's a this void that's created, and everybody's looking around as to who's going to step in. Well, remember at one point they they passed the law, right? So the law was they took parenting away, told the kids, you know, if you're not happy with your situation at home, blah 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 blah, call the police, and this happened for maybe 10 years, right? So then when your child, 10 years later, then talked stupid to the parents, ran over the house, they feel like they, you know, nobody can tell them nothing to touch them. The kids, now just imagine when you say, now, Michael, I want you to go ahead and I'll be a parent again. How? My kid became a monster with a law y'all created. They gave them, yeah. you know, a lot of room. I remember the days my, they used to say this, you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Now I understand what they said, what they mean by it. And we started seeing parents getting fought. Like, we started seeing mothers, the daughters swinging on their daughters at school, and, and the mom was taping it and saying, wait till the police get here. They're going to do When, like, that in my day, that has never been heard of, where a child can beat up their mama at school or anywhere and is protected. So, Michael, because we have just a few minutes, we we have just a few minutes left, and I, I want to get to this point. I mean, where where do we go from here? I mean, your organization, I, and I'm just kind of curious. How do people receive your message when you talk about this? Well, I mean, this is what I do for the platform I have. In my mind, I'd be thinking when I'm showing so many families the tragedy, the trauma, that we can all come together and say we can avoid, how can we prevent another death from majority of these kids? Because if you look at majority of the kids, if you look at the picture on social media, if they got four guys on there, the first guy go get killed three months ago, then the next kid get killed a month or two later. So it's all related, right? So it's like, how do we not even pick the kids up that we seeing with guns in their hands when they're 12, 13? 14? We already know you can't have a gun at 12, 13, 14. And then half of the aunties, uncles, just like myself, when I'm seeing something going on wrong, I'm supposed to be able to talk, pull that young kid to the side and say, listen, I was once you. I made those same mistakes. You know, like, so we don't have anybody stepping up anymore being the mentors that they, that we once had out here, you know, so... We're in trouble. I mean, well, I'm, I'm sure you've heard. I'm sure you've heard you. this, though. I'm sure you've heard this because I've had parents and I've had uh, communities leaders tell me they fear these kids. They're afraid to really confront them because they're afraid they'll get killed. Yeah, and well, and that's not. And that and I've talked to those uh, community leaders, parents, and others, and it's a real fear. It's Correct. not contrived. It's not made up. It's real. I'm sure you're seeing that as well. Yeah. Again, because for 10 years, you couldn't be a parent. Yeah. So that child that no, you were right. raised to be a, the child that you raised to be a certain way, now thinks she and he is a man and a woman of the house. They didn't talk mm-hmm. stupid to you now yeah. and everything, so you can't put your hand on them, right? So, and I mean, like you said, again, the, the village got to go back to being that. We got to put community back into everything. Like you said, you don't see none of the pastors. So what I did in the past, I partnered with quite a few people to see if this is what they really want to do. And when I did that with the church people and this and that organization, that organization, we became inconsistent on what the, the plan was, what we was going to attack and how we were going to attack it month to month. 
And that tells me, Michael, when I go back to that church, if that church didn't do the fifth Sunday of the, the month and did something in the community, that let me know that the church really didn't want to do it in the first place. Because I shouldn't have to sit there yeah. and tell a pastor how to run his church. And sometimes we have to go through some old methods, some other methods. Remember, at one point, every church wanted what? A bigger pool pit to baptize people. Yep. Now we have mega church, but we don't see nobody talking about baptism. No, you're right. You know, so you know it's interesting. It's interesting, Michael, and we got to get to. We got to. We got. Uh, yeah. We've run out of time. And I'm, I'm racking my brain trying to remember the book, but it was basically letters from Union and Confederate generals to their sons, uh, outlining the what they had to do in life, the things that were expected of them, and everything else. Pretty elementary. All of those principles still hold true today. And I'll never forget, and I forgot what General wrote it, and it said, Son, if any of your friends ever ask you to deviate for a straight, from a straight line, they're not your friend. And it's just little right. tidbits like that that still hold true today. As complex as we think society is, it's not all that complex anymore. And it sounds to me... Or it's, or it's not that complex still, and it sounds to me a lot of what you're talking about falls right in line with that. Best of luck to you, Michael Willis. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, CEO and founder of Hope. Help other people endure. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, folks. The Biden administration continues to be reluctant to call what's going on at the southern border a crisis. We're closing schools, having kids be taught remotely so that we can house illegal immigrants in these schools. We're buying and building buildings to be able to provide housing for illegal immigrants. We're paying rent to commercial property owners to be able to house illegal uh, immigrants. We're allowing them to move without restrictions throughout the top three issue. 
perfect for those that were caucusing in Iowa. And here to talk about this non-crisis at the southern border is Mark Morgan, senior fellow with FAIR and former acting director of ICE and Customs and Border Protection. So, Mark, uh, it looks like a crisis to me, but they still hold on to this non-crisis issue. It's just a challenge. Yeah, Newell, I, I think that this is one reason why, you know, Secretary Mayorkas is, is being impeached. If you're if you're being intellectually honest, we're, we're past the denial stage. There's with the complete chaos and lawlessness going on the border. It's undeniable what, what, what's happening. And, and people are waking up on both sides of the aisle, including Democrats. And they're finally coming around, joining the party that, yeah, that this is unsustainable and it's negatively impacting every aspect of our nation's safety, health and national security. Now, the solutions, we couldn't be farther apart, but at least the majority of people that are honest identify what's going on as a full blown crisis. So where, where do we go from here? Because now um, Mayorkas is shifting, changing. I mean, I'm not sure who is is changing stories faster. He or Tony Fauci, uh, but they both seem uh, to be very fluid as to their memory of what this is and everything else. The, they tell Congress that 70 percent of the folks that, that they come in contu- contact with at the border, they, they let go. He privately tells Border Patrol agents it's actually 85 percent, which, you know, I, I guess it, it jumped 15 percent in a, in a week. Um, what's the story going to be in this month of January? When we get to the end of January, what's the story going to be? Do we know? This is what we know is that the Secretary Marcus is going to continue his path that he has for the past three years of lying to the American people, lying to Congress abdicating his oath and responsibility, refusing to force the law, and acting as this administration chief architect of the worst border security crisis in our lifetime. Well, look, and this is in his hyperbole. I, we, we could take for the next next hour, and I could give you examples of what he's done that's actually come at the end of Secretary Mayorkas's pen. A lot of people say, well, he's just carrying out the, the, the president's orders. No, I couldn't fundamentally disagree more. Look, I, I led a Customs and Border Protection, the largest federal law enforcement uh, organization in the United States. With that position, whether you're a component head or secretary, comes a, an immense fiduciary duty. And, and, and part of that is regardless of what the strategy or goal of the White House is, your goal as a secretary or component is to make sure that you're enforcing the law and making sure that the president, when they're trying to achieve their goal, is actually not creating more harm to the United States than less. This secretary, remember, he's the one that has said since day one publicly numerous times that it's not enough to be in our country illegally. Well, that's not what the law says. Right now, he is unlawfully using uh, parole. Parole is supposed to be used as a sp- for a specific public benefit or humanitarian need, meaning, hey, you're a material witness in a major investigation or you need immediate acute medical intervention that your country can't give. Right now, uh, as, as Senator Graham just tweeted out this week, we've seen since 2014 a 19,000% increase in the use of parole. Look, you know, I could keep going on and on. He refuses to build the wall. He continues to lie to the American people that it's not a crisis. And that's exactly why uh, Mark Green, the chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee, started impeachment proceedings on, on against Secretary Maricus last week. 
I get these texts all the time that uh, Biden is pushing for a compromise, but Republicans have stated that they have no interest in that until post-election. But that's not that's not really true, right? I mean, the reason they have no interest in the compromise is that the Democrats, their notion of the of the compromise is that we give amnesty, that we do this, we do that. We create pathways, accelerated pathways for people to become a citizen who came here in violation of the law. None of that makes any sense to me. Right. Well, again, you're you're spot on. I mean, you hit the major ones, right? So, so that is the definition of of Biden and Secretary Marcus' definition of compromise. It, you just went through, right? So, so it's it's amnesty. They're they're going to actually thwart the law, refuse to enforce, enforce the law, violate the law, and then call it a legal pathway to release more people in, in the United States. And then the last thing that I would say, part of their strategy, what I would add to it, what you said, is that their compromise and their solution is just to throw more money at it, right? Not not to stop or prevent the crisis, not to secure our border, but actually just throw more money to manage the crisis after it's already in the United States. And the last thing that I would say, and I've said this to many conservative Republican members, both the House and the Senate, why Look, I understand from a political standpoint, there's a lot of issues in this country that we need to compromise on. But our nation's border security, when did that become an area that we have to compromise on? When did that become, hey, well, you know, I'll only secure a border if you give me amnesty. I mean, seriously, right? I mean, we're living in an alternate universe where we think it's okay to compromise on our nation's safety and national security. And that's what's happening right now. I, I said this the other day in a monologue that I did, that it would make more sense. I, I'm, I'm not opposed to creating a pathway for these folks that are here, right? I, I get it. I mean, for us to deport them, we, we'll never get through that process um, as it stands today. But we ought to be adding years to the pathway, not subtracting years, uh, so that it becomes a disincentive to come to this country illegally. Right. Because the moment we put the carrot out there, we make it an incentive. What, what happens is more people are going to come across the border. But if we were to say, oh, there's a pathway, but you're going to suffer 10 years of getting there uh, and there will be no um, uh, family preference for you, not ever, um, you know, and, and you start making it to be a disincentive. Watch how fast, I, I don't know, you tell me. I think it changes real fast. If you eliminate the family portion and add 10 years to whatever the pathway is going to be, pathway plus 10, I think things begin to change. I think those types of things resonate uh, around around the world, and they're not coming. Well, I know, uh, here's where we... we, we... Here's where we may differ, and there's a lot to unpack there. Look, we, we, we can never – we saw this in 1986 with uh, the Ronald Reagan Amnesty Act. Well, as long as we – when I'm going to narrow a thing about illegal immigration, as long as we give rewards to those that are illegally entering, that is never going to change. And so that's what amnesty does. No, but, but and, I'm just – I, I am just talking about offering that to those that are here now. We shut the border well, down. Right. The new entrants have a different set of rules that they're going to have to play by, and they're going to have to be a lot more restrictive than the rules that we have now. Otherwise, we never gain back, right, the 
the the territory that we've I, lost or, or the yeah what, what or the yeah uh, what, go ahead yeah, yeah I I think when we when we talk about amnesty uh, before we secure the border well I think you're putting the cart before the horse it, oh, I don't want amnesty. <laughs> but that's what you're talking about. But that's what you're talking about. You're it, talking is, it is and it isn't because you tell me, can, can we legitimately deport all of these folks? Do we have the infrastructure yeah. to do so? Well, yeah. if we have it, then, yes. that's, a, that, then yeah. that's a different – that's that I I really didn't understand that we did. Uh, well, well, but, here, but here's what it's going to take, though. Here's what it's going to take. And I get asked this all the time. You know, guys, we have millions. How do we do it? And I don't mean to be flipped, but first I say one at a time. Um, but 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 we have to start right. And what we need is is someone in the White House that has the political strength, courage, and will to actually do it. And it's going to have to take a whole of government approach to be able to do it. But we can. But right now, I, I there, there, there's only one president that that I've seen in our our modern history that actually had the political strength and courage and will to do that. And that was President Trump. Uh, but but even if, if Trump comes back, it's still going to take an enormous effort, you know, tenfold to what we did previously to be able to do this. Because here's what happens, and history will show this: if you actually have the political strength, courage, and will, and you actually operate, uh, operationalize it, a whole government approach, and you start the, the, you know, enacting the, the history's largest deportation operation we've ever seen, guess what happens? The, those that are here illegally, many of them will self-deport. And we've seen that again over the history when that happened. But but here's what we can't do: we can't just you know fix one leg of the three-legged stool. We have to secure the border. Yeah. We have to go after the cartels, and we have to send a strong message to those that are here illegally that you're not going to be able to stay. Because what happens is it's still going to incentivize people to come illegally if they think that somehow if they can get by our, our defenses and enter our country that they're going to stay. We're never going to have the success that we need. When do we reach our pain threshold in this country that this becomes a momentum to change? Because I, I don't see it yet, even yeah. though uh, we have a lot of sanctuary cities that are, are, are attempting to cry uncle. They're still very disingenuous in their approach. Um, when do you think that happens? And Because I, I think where are we now, 21, 22 million Illegal yeah, immigrants it, in this country. Well, well no, no, that, that's the question. I, I mean, I, I that I think is the question. And think about it: the past thirty-six months, just the past thirty-six months, we've had over eight million total nationwide encounters. We're about one point eight million known gotaways. The last five months, we've we've tapped tapped three hundred thousand per month. I mean, um, the, 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 the December is right now the highest monthly total in our nation's history. There's no end in sight. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. FY23 was 3.2 million total nationwide encounters. I, I mean, and here's what's important. Why are the numbers so important? Why have we, we, we have to continue to focus on the numbers and not let, become numb to it? It's because of the cause and effect. Illegal immigration is not a victimless crime. And a lot of people, our compassion has been hijacked, all the poor, vulnerable migrants looking for a better life. No, that cannot be our position, and here's why. Because when you flood our borders with an invasion of a number of illegal immigrants, it causes the border patrol resources to be pulled away from their law enforcement and national security mission. We're literally handing operational control over to the cartels. 
why Border Patrol agents in facilities relegated to nothing more than a federal travel agency. The cartels are exploiting our borders. And what happens? Drugs, criminals, and national security threats are pouring across our border. Just on the drugs alone, 112,000 Americans died from drug overdose and poisoning in a 12-month period. We know that 99% of the fentanyl comes from a wide-open southwest border. Why? Because there's no one on the front lines patrolling, trying to stop it, because they're in facilities processing releasing illegal immigrants. I was reading an article the other day, and the reason I ask about this pain threshold is that the decision makers in New York, when they closed that school and went to remote learning to house illegal immigrants, they actually said that they were surprised by the public outcry. And I, I just shake my head and I scratch my head. I'm mystified. I'm like, who are these people? Yeah. Who are these people that believe that when you take away a child's school for the purposes of housing those who come, made a decision to come to this country illegally, that they would be upset about that? And, yep. and now, now they, they've tried to characterize these parents as the oppressors, right? And it's like, here we go again. And it's, yeah. who are these people that, they, that they're just so so shocked and surprised by this that their whole life has to be uprooted because other people decided to engage in criminality another great question and here here's my answer i've served this country for 40 years i've served under six administrations both republican democrat both both sides republicans and democrats they both are uh, you know are always in pursuit of their, their their political advantage right but here's what's different under this administration is there's been a convergence of, of the typical political appointees and the political uh, agenda but it, it's converging with what i call ideologues that's what drives sanctuary cities. That's what drives people to be shocked at the outcries you described because they're driven by ideology. They're not being driven by truth, reality, and fact. And when your goal is, is pursuit of your, your personal ideology, it makes you ignorant of the truth, reality, and fact. And that's why you have individuals that are shocked about the outcry. But it's the same ideology that drives when you have 112,000 Americans that die. Yeah, the leading cause of death between 18 and 45 is fentanyl. It's the same ideologues that say, well, hey, the solution is let's get uh, uh, put Narcan in vending machines, right? Instead of actually addressing yeah. the source, going <laughs> yeah. after cartels and securing our borders, right? Exactly. But what, what can we get in a vending machine to deal with illegal immigrants? It's, exactly. <laughs> not a, exactly. Is there a vending machine solution? I don't know. Maybe I'll think about that. Next time I have you on the show, Mark Morgan, <laughs> Senior Fellow with Fair Informing, Acting Director of ICE and Customs and Border Protection. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week. You bet, Noah. You too. Bye-bye. We'll be right back, folks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. So I got on a text. I'd like for you to openly address that glaring hypocrisy on the air right now. I'm trying to piece together these. Uh, and to be absolutely clear here, I'm not in favor of open borders, and I do believe illegal immigration is a problem. However, I do not rail on about it constantly like it is an existential threat to our existence like you do, and then turn around and welcome them with open arms when you need a new roof. No, seriously, I challenge you to actually address this in the open and on air. I can't say what he says next because it's not allowed. Uh, the FCC would pull our license, uh, blah, blah, blah. No problem. Uh, all I can tell you is, is that when I was sheriff, we deported with our participation with immigration more illegal immigrants per capita than any other county in the country. No hypocrisy there. I took office in 2007, two years after Katrina. Still a lot going on. The fact of the matter is the rules are the rules. When I raised my right hand and and took a constitutional oath to enforce the laws of the United States, the laws of this state, and the ordinances of the parish of Jefferson, I foolishly thought that it actually meant something. But for folks like you that want to try and point out hypocrisy when there is none, is absolutely ridiculous. I took the oath, and I did what was required of me, and I'm not going to apologize to you or anyone else for doing so. It's as elementary as that. Then why are we taking the oath? Why? We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back, folks. When we come back after the top of the news break, we'll visit with New Orleans District A Council Member Joe Geruso. We'll talk about rescue fund dollars and capital fund spending in the city of New Orleans. Very important, especially in light of the fact that a number of municipalities across this country are now in a fiscal mess because they did not spend these dollars appropriately. So stay with us. We will be right back after the break. This is Newell on WWL. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.